Thank you. You guys may be seated. Um, once again, it's incredible to be here in a new year, 2017. I'm glad that I get a chance to speak today. Um, our lead pastor, Chris Causey, is home with a little sick daughter. Anyone relate recently? Anyone, anyone had anyone sick in their home? I think it's went through everyone in our home uh, in the last 10 days. And so there's a lot of folks that are sick. And so we certainly pray for little Ella. But uh, good to be here with each of you as we continue our, our sermon series called Resolution. Anyone made a New Year's resolution? I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand if you've already changed it or stopped it or it stopped you or something. Anyone have one that you're still doing? Anyone? Okay, okay good. I thought three of you for just a moment. There's more like 30 of you. That's good. I tell you what, they're, they're certainly difficult. But as Chris shared last week, it's just a, a natural time to recharge and to rethink and to look forward. And as I said earlier, and we sang earlier about the future. And the future isn't some hopeful optimism, right? But it's optimistic hope, right? We actually believe that, we, that there's something greater ahead. And we sang about this never-ending joy. And funerals are tough times, but I, I love that when there's a funeral with the right perspective, right? Especially when someone is up and there's a minister speaking from God's word and they talk about eternity. And there's this scripture that says that, that to, to live, right, is Christ and to die is to gain. I don't know about you, but just basic English interpretation, to die is to gain doesn't make much sense, does it? But we actually believe that there's more than just this life. And that we look forward to a day that's not just full of joy here, but we look forward to a day that's hopeful and that's optimistic about us having an eternal life with Christ. The Bible says that anyone who has faith in Jesus Christ can live with him in eternity, and that's good news. Some of you may already believe that. Some of you may be exploring that. And today's a good time for us to explore. We're going to look into a scripture, and this is going to be a, a, a good scripture for us, but it's also going to be a challenging scripture for us. Last week, Chris shared from a story uh, found, I believe, because it's in three of the four Gospels, but I believe he read from the Gospel of Luke last week. And the Gospel of Luke tells a story about a, a rich young ruler who was interested in Jesus, because it's, it's in the scripture these Bible stories, there are people that were very interested in God that ended up placing their faith in him, right? But there are also many instances in the Bible where people were interested in God, but they never placed their faith in him. And that's true of not just Encounter Church, that's true of any church today. There are people today that have already explored faith and, and, and given their faith to the Lord. And there are people that are exploring and that are interested, but not really at a place where they have given themselves to the Lord yet. And last week, Chris challenged not to be like the rich young ruler. The rich young ruler was curious. He was intelligent. Hello, he was wealthy. He had anything he wanted, whenever he wanted, wherever he wanted. He was powerful, educated, and wealthy. But in the end, did he choose to place his faith in Jesus? No. But the challenge in this year that Chris gave us last week was to actually explore faith. For some of you that already have a faith in God and in Jesus, it's time to take that next step of faith, whatever that may be. For some of you that may be exploring for the first time, I hope that 2017 is a year that you say, I am going to explore faith this year in a way that I've never experienced it before. Building on that this week, we're going to look into a psalm, Psalm 139. It will be in the app, but you can also turn your Bible. It will also be on the screen as we, as we read uh, this together as well. <clears throat> I'm reading from a version of the Bible called the English Standard Version. 
And I had a few issues with the app this morning. And so when you open it up, you may see it says NIV. If you open the app and you hit Bible and it says NIV at the top, you can just touch NIV and change it over to ESV. Or you can just read from uh, what you see on, on the screen um, today. But this is the premise I want us to start with today, that you were created on purpose for a purpose. You were created on purpose for a purpose. Now, depending on your background, depending on your parents, depending on your education, you've heard a lot of, a lot of things, a lot of different things and perspectives and, and ideas, ideologies, really, about where men came from, right? About creation, about man and about woman. And we're going to read from this story, this psalm in the scripture where King David, I tend to talk about him for some reason whenever it's my turn um, to, to speak at encounter, but King David writes this psalm about experiencing God. It was more than just experiencing God. It was an overflow of his heart because he knew that God recognized him. He knew that God saw him. Like God wasn't just God. He was a personal God. And in Psalm 139 is this beautiful description where he realized that he wasn't an accident, that he was created on purpose for a purpose. Now, depending on education, depending on the classroom, if you're in a biology class versus a Bible seminary class, you're going to hear a lot of different things about creation, about history. There's different theories on the old earth versus new earth, right? And, and uh, different ideas on creation, creationism, different perspectives. And today's not today where we're going to go into all of those things, but we are going to look at a passage of Scripture that answers the question about where did you come from? Where did you come from? Psalm 139, I want to begin to read in verse 13. We're not going to read the entire um, psalm, but it is an incredible psalm. But remember, the summary is just, this is King David reading the entire, or writing the entire psalm of 139, coming from a heart that was overflowing, that he realized that God recognized him, and that God knew him, and that God saw him. Psalm 139, starting in verse 13. I want to read this. For you formed my inward parts, you knitted me together in my mother's womb. Just read that again to yourself as I, as I read that. You can see it on the screen, see it on your device, see it in your Bible. Listen, you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. God created you. Say that with me. God created you. Now, this is incredible that, that, that this is David saying this. He's saying this life, specifically his life, he recognized this. It was no accident. Now, you may ask your parents, and they may be like, no, you were an accident, right? Some of those funny stories, like, no, we didn't really intend to. Like, we're glad that we had you, but no, you were an accident. No, no, no. King David says, no, you were not an accident. Life, specifically today, your life was no accident. Think about David saying this that you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. What does that say about life today? What does that say about the way life begins today? David had faith not just in his life, but he had faith that God was the one responsible for it today. Now, for some of you, this is a, this is a major shift and change. Do you really believe today that your life was created by God, that he knew your life. This is a shift for some. 
For others of you, it may, not, it, not, it may not be a shift, but I can tell you this. Your life moving forward, if you live on this principle and the other two principles that we're going to share today, it will utterly change the direction of your life. Have you ever gone one day after the next day after the next day feeling like there's no purpose? Feeling like you're not important? Feeling that you're not noticed? Feeling that you're not recognized? It all changes. It all changes when you take that step of faith and you really believe that God created you. If you really believe that your life is not an accident, it's a game changer for you and for your heart and for your faith step. Last week, again, building on that, taking that step of faith. Some of you, and I know we could, we could go into a lot of different things on what the Bible says from Genesis 1 about God creating the earth and God creating man and God creating woman, the way that they, a man and a woman, have children together, right? We could go into a lot of different things, and I wish we could. I like that stuff. I like history. I like the facts. I'm not just saying this is all faith, but, but in some elements, taking that step of faith today is what some of us just need to do. I believe that there's a God, and I believe that he is a creator God. And some of you believe that. God created me. And David said, you formed my inward parts. You created me. You knit me together in my mother's womb. That's where life began, when God allowed it to begin. Do you ever look at creation and go, wow? Anybody? From a sunset to a sunrise... From, from the mountains to, to the oceans, to when you think about the solar system, you think about the earth, you think about it being tilted at just the right axis, right? You think about it uh, at us being any closer to the sun and burning up, any further away than in, in freezing. You think about just the right amount of oxygen and nitrogen in the level for you to breathe in and breathe out. I mean, I could go on and on and on about the uniqueness of creation, but I'm going to tell you something. There's nothing like you. It's incredible. The ten fingers, the ten toes, the eyes, the ability to breathe, the ability to interpret emotion. When you think about other animals and how fascinating they are, I have a little golden retriever puppy that's nine weeks old. We love Lily, right? Lily's a part of our family, but she's nothing. She's nothing like my wife. She's nothing like my children, right? And don't think I'm a dog hater. I have a puppy. If I didn't have a puppy, you're like, you don't like animals, do you? No, I didn't say that. I love animals, but there's nothing like you. There's nothing to think about when you think about human beings. There's nothing else like you walking the face of this earth today. And you know what I do? Like David, my faith step is to believe that this was no accident, that this was God creating you. And a person that believes that has a different viewpoint of life than a person that does not. For so, so many reasons. Look at the next two verses. Verses 14 and 15. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. The second point I want you to say is God created you uniquely. Say that together with me. God created you Uniquely. Go ahead and say it out loud. Come on. God created you uniquely. Do you remember me saying just a few moments ago that the person that actually believes that God was the creator has a different viewpoint, has a different life point, like perspective than a person that does not? You say, how so? Look at the beginning of 14. 
What does David say? What does David do in response to his belief that God is the creator? He does what? Anybody? He praises him. There's a tension that goes to, to the creator. I mean, I think you should thank your parents, right, for their part. Thank you for raising me. Thank you for loving me. Like, you're, you, you're my mom. There, there's, there's love that naturally goes to a parent because you realize that, that they birthed you, that they took care of you, that they loved you, that they met your needs. But, that, but this type of love and response goes beyond a parent. Why? Because it looks at, at God as the creator. And so he says, I praise you. And I love how he describes it. Because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Now let me tell you something. The Bible uses the word fear in fearful a lot when we think about our relationship to God. The Bible tells people to fear God. Now fear is generally a word that we use in a very negative connotation, right? You should be afraid of someone breaking into your home, right? You should be afraid of, I don't know if you like those ridiculous movies of like, anyone watch these crazy R-rated movies that I, I can't imagine? Sometimes I see a preview, I'm like, you couldn't pay me to go watch that, right? Like there are certain movies that I'm just like, no, I, I, I'm not having that. Like whatever this, even though the Friday the 13th Jason movies or something, that's the only one because his name was Jason I watched. But there, there's some crazy stuff out there. There's a good healthy fear, right? And I'm standing on the edge of a cliff. I'm afraid to take the next step. There's a good healthy fear. Well, there's a good healthy fear of God. But this is interesting because he says, you were fearfully made. What does it mean to be fearfully made? God was full of fear when he made you. That, that's interesting because that should be our perspective. Like I have a reverence, a reverential type of fear of God. I have a healthy fear of God. Not a bad fear, but a healthy fear. The Bible says here that you are fearfully made. You know what it means? God had a reverence when he made you. He did it with a heartfelt passion and desire. Literally the Hebrew could be translated into English here when it says fearfully and Fearfully and wonderfully, it can say this, with a reverent heart, he created you uniquely. Think about God having reverence for the beauty of creation. Is it possible that God stood in awe of what he made? Think about this, right? You stand in awe of what God made. Could Imagine God having the perspective of being in awe of you. He makes it and he goes, wow, this is good. Isn't that an awesome thought? The thing that that's what he thought of when he thought about you, he carefully, cautiously, and with a reverent heart created man and woman. I don't think he had the same perspective when he made the tree. I mean, I like the tree and I appreciate it giving us some oxygen. I don't think he had the same reverence when he made a tree than when he made a man and a woman. Even when the man was made and the woman was made, the Bible says that God thought it was, it was good. It was, it was all good. That he was pleased. Imagine if your heart, your life took a step today to say, I know that God made me uniquely with a reverent heart. And he did that in an incredible way. In 2004, I received one of the greatest gifts I, I could have ever received. And in 2004, Rachel and I were engaged to be married and you know, you're sitting around the Christmas tree and folks are opening gifts and people have different methods of how they do it. And ours goes on a long time in the actual, 
uh, family, which is Rachel's maiden name. In the Axel family, it's one of those things where everyone opens the gift one by one. Anybody else do that? One by one, one at a time. Anybody? Yeah, it takes too long. Um, but, it, but it's fun. It's like, oh, yeah, let's watch you now, right? And the five-year-old, my five-year-old's waiting for everyone to open up their gifts, waiting patiently, right? Well, when it was my turn, I opened up this gift, and I want to show it to you. Can I show you my a Christmas present I received 12 years ago? This is a blanket that Rachel made for me. And one of the reasons I, I love it so much, I opened it up and I thought, okay, I'm a, I'm a guy, I'm engaged to be married. I'm like, thank you for the blanket, future wife, <laughs> you know? And she said, I made it for you. That changed it. I said, wow, you made this for me? You made this. Now, <clears throat> this is special because Rachel made this for me. I even like the colors. She said, hey, it's, it's the colors of your alma mater. I went to the University of South Carolina. The mascot is the Gamecocks. I just heard a boo. Watch your language. Mark came in today and said, hey, you saw the game Monday night, right? You're from South Carolina. I'm like, yeah, but that's our, that's our rival, <laughs> you know? So I wasn't really excited. No, it was pretty cool to see a South Carolina team win the national title in college football. But this isn't orange, as you would notice, but Rachel made this for me. I said, you made that? Like, how'd you make it? She goes, I knitted it. Like, it was a, a very good answer, right? Like, you, you made this? I, guys, I can't tell you how special this is for me. This isn't just any blanket, is it? She, she made this. I'm like, how long did it take you? A long time. And I, I, there's very few nights go by without this being like on my lap, sitting in a chair or something. And I, I don't suck my thumb or anything while I'm holding this blanket. It's not that special for me. Imagine me just kind of, no, but, but let me tell you, special. Look at what, look at what verse 15 says. God intricately wove. Now verse 13 says that he knitted you together, Right? And verse 15 says that he intricately wove. Is God involved with creation? He is. And one reason why this is special, and I told the boys this morning, I'm walking out the house with a blanket. What are you doing, Dad? You know, why are you taking your blanket? You always tell me I can't take mine. I'm like, leave me alone. Rachel made this, you know. Remember, Mommy made this. And I, I told them, I said, I'm using this today as an illustration. And we were talking about it at the breakfast table because they saw my blanket in the kitchen. My blanket. Are you, any men judging me right now? Don't judge me, okay? I just, I just said my blanket. I don't know if I've ever said my blanket publicly before, but I just did. This is my blanket, I don't, and I'm, I'm proud of it. But I said, boys, I said, remember, Mommy made this. You can't go anywhere in the world and find anything like this. That is unique. Actually, Josiah finished my sentence. He said, it's unique. I said, yes, this is unique because you can't find this in a Target. You can't find this in a Kohl's. I have some really cool blankets. I've been able to travel to Brazil, worked for an orphanage, worked with an orphanage several times. I have some really cool um, hammocks that were handmade. They're not as special to me. We have a lot of blankets in our living room, some on the boys' bed, some downstairs, all from these different markets in Brazil. But none of them come, come close to the special uniqueness that that has for me because it was uniquely made for me, Right? Even though it's kind of holy and it, and it doesn't keep me really, really warm at night when it's cold, I have to sit by the heater, but it's still special because it's unique. Now, I'm going to tell you this, how much greater are you unique than this blanket is to another blanket? There's 7 billion people today, just more than 7 billion people on the planet. And I got to tell you, there's no one like you. And I know sometimes you, like me, would look in the mirror and wish things were different. But I can tell you something today, God doesn't. 
He doesn't want you any different. There are things about your life that you would want to change. There are things about your life I know that some other people would want to change because we are broken, we are frail, but I got to tell you, you are uniquely made by God and there is no one like you. He knitted you together in your mother's womb, I believe. He intricately wove the uniqueness of your life and there's no one, no thing, no person like you. Do you believe that? If you don't believe that, it's a faith step maybe that you could explore today to say maybe God is the creator. And if he is the creator, then surely he created me. That he was involved. I, I love the language here, even in verse 15, as you look at it, my frame, this is good. Have you ever felt alone? Like no one's paying attention? Like you need help, but there's no one there to help you? Look at what he says. My frame was not hidden from you. Now, your parents may have been surprised at one point, but guess who was not surprised? God was not surprised. Your frame is not hidden from God. He knew about you. He planned on you. You are not an accident. This blanket was no accident, was it? You ever wrapped up a gift? I did, I did this to Rachel. You're wrapped up in a gift and someone's opening it. You're like, oh, this is from Jason and Rachel. I'm like, Rachel, what is it? Just because I want to know. And so when they say thank you, I'm like, oh, you're welcome. I remember last Christmas I looked at my Josh, uh, Josh my brother-in-law, I said, I hope you like that. He goes, you guys didn't give that to me. That's, that's not what I meant. Hope you like that, you know. I just don't know, right? Does a gift just appear in a box and you open it? And you're like, oh, yeah, that's, no, that's for me. No, no, this was created for me. This was designed for me, right? This was no accident. She didn't purchase this at a store. She, she created and uniquely crafted this for me. Look at verse 16. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. How strong is that language? I'm going to read it again. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. Every one of them, he says, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there were none of them. Before your days began, I can interpret this, before your days began, God knew them. Before your days began, God knew, God knew the number of your days. I don't know about you. I don't want to know the number of my days. Anybody? Anybody else? You think about that? You're like, nah, that would be bad, right? This is kind of a theoretical question. Would you like to know how long you're going to live? I don't think anyone should want to know how long they're going to live, right? Some of you would want to know. But, but let me tell you, God in his knowledge created you on purpose for a purpose. And that's the last thing I'm going to, last principle I want to share. God created you uniquely. He created you uniquely on purpose, for a purpose. God knows the number of your days. That in order for there to be meaning in your life, in order for there to be meaning in 2017, we have to take a faith step to not only believe that God created you, but he created you uniquely. There's no one else like you. And because he created you uniquely, he created you on purpose. And it's for a purpose. If you look at the last verse that we just read together, 
says, in your book were written my days, every single one of them. What's implied is that God understands the purpose of those days. So in other parts of the Bible, you would describe it as saying, for such a time as this, for such a time as this, Mark is here on purpose, for a purpose. For such a time as this, Anna is here on purpose, for a purpose. For such a time as this, Melissa is here on purpose, for a purpose. For such a time as this, fill in your name, you are alive. For such a time as this, you are here. For such a time as this, you were created. For some people, if we roam the streets of Dedham or Westwood or West Roxbury or going to Boston and we say, hey, got a question for you. Just, well, this won't take but just a few seconds. Why were you created? Could you imagine the responses? They're going to be all over the place, aren't they? They're going to be all over the place. I, well, I mean, I just, I don't, could, could you imagine? If we went around the room today, in light of the scripture, I think it would maybe be a little bit different, right, in light of what we're hearing. But, like, think about life. Why? There's no more question than the question why that's asked on the planet today. Did you know that? From your children to, to uh, professors teaching PhD students. Why? Why does this machine work this way? How can we make it better? Why? 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 Why are we here? Why, why does life exist? For some of you, this isn't a big faith step today to have this perspective. But I tell you, it's a good reminder. For me, as I wake up today, I'm thinking that I'm, I'm created on purpose for a purpose. Well, what's my purpose is begs the question, right? Well, I get that, that God is the creator, and I even believe that. But what's my purpose? And I wish even today that we had time to go into that. Maybe that's another topic. I'd love to explore it. By the way, if you want to talk to someone, I, I would love to. If it's someone else, just, I, hey, I'd love to, to explore with either a pastor or a friend or a counselor about purpose. And, and that, we'd love to help you do that. I'd love to help you do that. But I do know one thing from the scripture. I don't know what, what your future holds. I don't know what my future holds, but I do know this about life and about purpose and what the Bible teaches. That God created us for our enjoyment and for his glory. And I would tell my children this. If they said, well, God, Dad, what's the purpose of, of my life? And I could, I could honestly say this and feel confident about the answer. To glorify God. Whatever you do. It doesn't matter what your occupation is. I know some of you may be wrestling with that. And I don't, it doesn't matter what your occupation is. Some of you may be wrestling, depending on your age, like, what, what am I going to do? Where, what am I going to study? What's going to be my major when I go to college? Like, what do I do with my life? I started this career. I've been in it for four years, but there's no enjoyment in it, right? Whether you change jobs, whether you change your majors today, I don't, I don't think much of that matters. But what does matter is that you realize that the purpose of your life is to know God and glorify Him. And for some of you, that could be a long journey to get to that spot. For me, when I was a junior in college, I was a music education and performance major, you know, determining whether, I, whether or not I had one professor saying you should go to the Marine Corps and, and play for the Marine Corps president's own because they need euphonium players, which is my instrument. I thought, do I want to play music for the president? That would sort of be cool, but I think that would get old just playing the same songs over and over, right? Like, do I want to play music for 
um, for the government. I, I don't know that I want to do that. You know, Marine Corps sounds cool. I, I wrestled with this. Every single day I wake up, you know, I wake up. And some, sometimes it doesn't change as you get older, does it? Even if you find a career, you find a purpose, you get married, you have children. Some of you may be single wondering, what's my purpose? And I tell you, there's a million different answers, but I tell you, the one answer I know the Bible does give us is that God wants you to know him and God wants you to live for him. King David had a moment. He had plenty of moments without God. He had plenty of moments where he acted when he did not know God, but he had this moment when he realized that God made him. And realizing that God made you changes your purpose. Realizing that God created you and that there's no one else like you makes you look in the mirror a little bit different. And it makes you say, not in an egotistical way, or in a maniacal way because you're too focused on yourself or narcissistic, but it makes you look in the mirror and just say, you know what? God created me and he did a good job, you know? And I'm going to make the most of my life for who I am. I'm not going to spend the rest of my days trying to be someone I'm not, wishing someone I'm, wishing to be someone I'm not. I'm going to spend the rest of my days being Jason and making the most of what God's given me for himself and not for myself. If you take that shift and your mind and your heart today, it changes everything. You can go to work tomorrow, whether you run numbers, work with people, manage, and you can do it all, whatever you do, for the glory of God. Live a, living a life of integrity, seeing people see something different in you, right, at work. Like you can live, you can do whatever you do to the glory of God. I love 1 Corinthians chapter 10. The very end of that chapter is verse 31. It says, whether you eat, or whether you drink, do it all for the glory of God. Like from eating to drinking, like whatever you do. Just do it for God's glory. Living a life that reflects Him. Not to go too far down deep into this, since I've already stated it two different times, but don't worry about your occupation, right? Worry about knowing God. Don't worry about a different career. Just worry about the Lord. If you can read Psalm 139 this week, verses 13 through 16, just read it a few times. Like, put something in your Bible, close it. I'm going to remember where this is and just open it up and just say, God, King David said this. I want to say this. And if you say it, it changes everything. It changes everything about your heart. It changes everything about your future. I want to put these words on the screen and I want to challenge you to just Say them, and it's, we're going to change the word you to me. And you don't have to say it. I mean, you're not making some promise here, right? When you say this, I want to challenge you to say it with me. And when you say it, I want to see if you can just like, not, you're not repeating it to me, you're not repeating it to the room, but this is kind of a moment when you're saying this to God in faith. And the first is God created me. For you to say that, God created me. Okay, you ready? It's on the screen if you're ready to say it with me. God created me. Say it again. God created me. Now the next part is big. Because so many people, literally, I mean, even from, from those that seem like they have it all together to those that would confess that they're depressed, humans don't like themselves. Yes? Right? We hate ourselves sometimes, right? We spin our wheels and, and just wish that we were somewhere different, someone different. And I'm telling you, that's wrong. That happens in this broken world. God created you uniquely, and he likes you. He likes you just the way you are. 
I want you to say this with me. God created me uniquely. God created me uniquely. Believing that shifts everything about the way you live tomorrow. You can do what you do for the glory of God. And the last one is setting you on a journey. I don't believe you're going to figure this out on Monday. If you do call me, let me know how it went. I'll co-author a book with you, right? Um, and we'll figure something out together. How do you know your purpose? I tell you, the first is remembering that God created you and he created you uniquely. But the last one is God created me uniquely on purpose for a purpose. You ready to say that with me? God created me uniquely. I'm oh, just kidding. Yeah, sorry, I left the word out uniquely. My bad. Don't repeat after me, just read. All right? Let's say that last line. God created me on purpose for a purpose. Just don't forget the uniquely in the last line, right? He created you uniquely on purpose for a purpose. And I tell you, take a journey this week. Start a journey today to say, okay, God, I believe that you made me. I believe that you made all of this, right? What's my purpose? And as pastors, as a church, we love to help you, encourage you, and figure out a way for you to take a step of faith this week, 2017 as well, and as you go on this journey to figure out, God, I want to use my life for you, no matter what that is, no matter how old you are, no matter if you're single, no matter if you're married, no matter if you have a job or looking for a job, right? Or you have a job and you're looking for another job. God created you on purpose, and he created you on purpose for a purpose. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this truth and this word, God, that reminds us that you're the creator and it's not a creator by accident, God, but that you're, you're a creator on purpose. You didn't create us just to, just to live and to die and to work a job and to retire from that job. You, you created us on purpose for a purpose, to know you and to make you known, to glorify you. So God, whether it be people in this room that are taking that step today as a Christian, as someone who already has faith in you, and they're taking that step to further cement that in their hearts and in their minds, or whether people today are exploring it for the first time, I pray that you'd speak. I pray that you'd encourage. I pray that you would minister to hearts wherever they are. Lord, we thank you for this time. And as we sing this last song, we pray that you would encourage our hearts together. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand and sing together our final song. This is a time for Encounter Church where we um, take an offering. And so many of you um, will as a part of this church, faithfully give, and we're grateful for that. And so this is a time where we can give an offering back to the Lord because he's been good uh, to us. So many of you give faithfully online. We're thankful for that as well as a church and as a ministry. If you're a guest with us today, your gift can simply be to, to place your uh, card in the offering basket or fill out the app. That's what we'd love for you to do today. I'd like to share one more announcement before we sing this song. In just a few weeks, our uh, uh, lead pastor, Chris Causey, is going to be sharing some more information about our future church building. We're very excited. Some things are in uh, development, and so we're, we're pumped about uh, that space. We have this middle school space until June. I think the last Sunday in June is the 28th, I think. I could be wrong on that. But we have this space uh, through the end of June, and we're grateful for that. So we'll be sharing in just a few weeks on that further development on the building. So once again, thanks for being here at Encounter Church. As we take this offering, let's sing our final song together.